Hello and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the tabletop RPG discussion and interview podcast. I'm your host, Mike Daniel, and I'm joined by some uh, very special guests today. We've got uh, the hosts of Undercommon Taste with us here, uh, Ian and uh, James. How are you guys doing? Yeah, doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's been a good day so far. I'm ready to get into some muck. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, it's a very, very pleasant day here in Chicago. Got up to 65, which is probably the warmest it's been since like September. Uh, not gonna lie. So I'm, I'm enjoying the day. It's, um, it's yeah. current. It's currently 77 here in Northeast mm. Tennessee. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm a little jealous for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd like to let you guys tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and we can kind of talk about, uh, what, uh, what brought you out today. All right. I'll go ahead, Ian. I'll let you. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm Ian. I'm I'm half of Undercommon Taste. We are a uh, homebrew and world building podcast, uh, mostly advice stuff uh, for TTRPGs in general. But most of our stuff is geared towards Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons because that's where the eyeballs are. Um, we do weekly episodes. Come out every Wednesday. Um, we have we're almost done with our long running planar excursions where we've been going plane by plane through D&D cosmology and breaking down what's in the plane what you, you know what sort of adventures you can find there what sort of creatures you can find there uh, primarily because wizards didn't do a great job of <laughs> giving us stuff for the planes um, most of the planes have been condensed to a single paragraph in the Dungeon Master's Guide, hmm. and it's a travesty. It so really we've been, is. So we've been going back to primarily the uh, second edition Planescape books, but also the third edition Manual of the Planes and piecing stuff back together just to give sort of an overview of what you can find in those planes. The other things we do as we do that, we, we delve into, like I said, some of the old lore so we'll also bring up some of the monsters that that Wizards has decided to left behind for whatever reason, not because their plate's not completely full, but because they've made a terrible choice and they didn't bring everything <laughs> over. Bad on them. No. So we How go, we try you. to we try to translate those monsters into, you know, fifth edition. We do go like going back into lore and kind of discussing where things came from and how how they got to be and where they changed. Again, fourth edition, I have feelings about we'll leave that there. <laughs> Um, we also <laughs> have various, we have various system creators come on too. So we kind of intersperse that along with our, our planescapes as we'll go. We'll have a couple, generally two or three at a time. Then we'll have some game creators. We'll talk, we'll do some world building stuff, kind of a character creation, uh, realm creation, town creation, uh, kind of just throwing everything in the pot. And, and this year we are we're inviting different members of the TTRPG community to come in and talk about very specific subjects. So in, hmm. uh, in January, we had Kate from of mice and men and monsters to discuss mm -hmm. adapting literature for tabletop role-playing games in February with Valentine's day. We had Declan from uh, romancing the dungeon 
Um, by the time this comes out, we will have just had John from Tale of the Manticore talking about adapting Dungeons and Dragons for solo play. Our next interview, which is going to be here in a couple weeks, is with Christian from My Sound Delve talking about, you know, using sound effects and other uh, aids to improve immersion in in role play. So we, we're trying to trying to branch out and get some more uh, some more practical application stuff in and get some other insight on those topics general table utility i guess we would call it yeah awesome yeah so as as uh, my listeners can tell it's uh, a lot of similar themes between our shows <laughs> right like uh y'all focus primarily on fifth edition i have a lot of influence from fifth edition but talk about other games and systems as well pretty pretty equally um but uh yeah a lot of a lot of advice for dungeon masters and and for players as well uh from y'all show which is is awesome um, so, uh, yeah, as I kind of alluded to when I was on, on y'all's show recently, um, sometimes things, you know, work really well together. So you want to get those things and, and kind of mash them together and, and make them do one really cool thing. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what we're doing here today. This, uh, for, for our listeners is actually part two of our, uh, collaboration project, a cross podcast collaboration, so to speak, um, just earlier this week, an episode released on Undercommon Taste, where I, I joined these guys to talk about the uh, the kind of the crunchy side of multi-classing in Dungeons and Dragons Fifth uh, Edition. So we really got into a lot of the mechanics and some different uh, neat things that you can do, and all of the information you would want basically about uh, about multi-classing. Uh, and today, these guys are, are joining me to uh, talk about how to break the game with multiclassing, <laughs> more or less, um, or at least have some have some fun with it. Um, step, so... step one, make a Gestalt character. Step two, multiclass, double multiclass your Gestalt character. <laughs> oh, God, that's, that's, that's a terrible yeah. idea. High, high chaos build there, for sure. I will throw dice um... at you, Ian. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I'd actually like to start by just kind of recapping a couple of things with, you know, first of all, like what what does it mean to multi-class? Uh, Ian, I think you did a great job uh, talking about this at the beginning of y'all's episode uh, earlier this week. So why don't you kind of give my listeners a, a quick overview on what it means to multi-class and what, what that word means even? I mean, just in its, in its very simplest form, multi-classing just means when you gain a level, you pick a level of another class. So you, you say you start off as a fighter and you want to get into some magic stuff, but you don't want to go Eldritch Knight. You, you reach a level, you get a level up. And instead of taking another level of fighter, you just decide to take a level of wizard or a level of warlock or a level of cleric, you know, just to, to get a different sort of feel. And, you know, you can do it for pure mechanical reasons because you want to min-max your character or you want to optimize your character's performance. Or you can do it for purely roleplay reasons. Maybe something happened to your character in the context of the game that makes sense for them to, you know, branch off into another class. Maybe, maybe your fighter found religion and so they're taking a level of paladin or a level of cleric. Uh, maybe mm. your paladin lost their religion, and so now they're going into a level of fighter. Um, th those are these are sorts of things that you can really delve into to 
make your character unique and make it exactly what you want to play at the table. That's a good way to put it. Really simply, it's peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah. You got your fighter in my, my paladin. Oh, you got your paladin in my fighter. Uh. <laughs> that um, is yeah, called a trip to HR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you're going to have to sit there and talk. Yeah, about no, it. No, yeah. no comment on that one. I'm just going to let that one hang there, I think. And um, now we have to all go to a seminar about <laughs> consent. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm you know, totally fine with romance at the table if everyone else is, is cool with that between the characters. So Consent um, is important, guys. Consent, it is, is, it consent is, very, is very important. Very important. Romance at the table works. I'm going to go ahead and plug, again, February's episode with um, Romancing the Dungeon. Great episode. Mm. Again, and that's a whole and spiel. And show is a great show, so yeah. you should go listen to it. But again, who and when, definitely something to talk with your characters. And with any of this, this is something... Where the characters and in the DM, there should always be communication between mm-hmm. those groups because Absolutely. otherwise it will break the game and not in a fun way. For sure. And and even if you are just looking to multi-class your characters solely for the mechanical reasons, like, oh, I really want to get Eldritch Blast or, you know, wh- whatever that thing is that you want from from a quick dip into another character. Um, even if you are solely focusing on that, I think it's still important to have a conversation with your your dungeon master about taking that extra class and finding some way to make that work narratively. Because um, I I don't know personally, I think D and D is a lot more fun when it is you know character and narrative driven, not so much just like oh we're all going to power build and we're all going to fight all the monsters and like that's fun for a while, but. Um, you know, there's got to be there's there's more to it, uh, or when there's more story to it, I think is when it's it's more more fun for me as a dungeon dungeon master and as a player as well, right? Yeah. So Absolutely. have those conversations. Yeah, I, I always I always encourage I always encourage my players to come to me and say, hey, this is the planned progression for my character, at least for the mm-hmm. next few levels. I am planning on trying to multi class, mm-hmm. and then I mm-hmm. can insert narrative elements into the game to aid them in their pursuit of this multi-class to make it fit narratively. Right. Um, I've, I've mentioned it before too, you know, the old order of the stick comic where they're in the middle of a comic and then poof, they all level up and they all get like new gear and weapons. And it's like that that's always so jarring. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as you said, when, when there's a narrative to explain things, it, it is better. And you know, talking about downtime in games and stuff like that, that's a good time for that kind of transition normally. Mm-hmm. It gets skipped over a lot of the time. But again, yeah, as a absolutely. DM, you can learn how to deal with that as your table needs. For sure. Yeah, and I think uh, Dungeons & Dragons has done a, a really great job. Uh, Fifth edition especially has done a really great job of allowing for opportunities to multi-class. Um, there oh, are yeah. a, a lot of classes that you can just kind of dip into. And when I say dip, um, that's, you know, something that's gets thrown around a lot, but that means just to take, you know, one to three levels, usually just a small, take a scoop out of that other class and, and add it on. Um, and there are, you know, a handful of classes that are really great for that and give you a lot of really juicy benefits at first level and make it easy to, combined with those other classes right so i think one of my my favorite 
times two multi-class. And if I'm ever playing a caster and I plan on multi-classing into another caster, that other caster is always going to be Warlock no matter what. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, it's easy mechanically to not have to worry about like what level caster am I, as we were talking about on, on y'all's show the other day. Um, but you get a lot of really neat, neat stuff at first level as well that kind of fits with a bunch of other class uh, options. They've really made the Warlock kind of, I almost want to say like a catch-all for stuff that happens outside of the table mm. for a character. I mean, if, if you want to just have some magic, here's a Warlock. If you have a character that kind of needs to be in and out, can't make every section, Fey Patron Warlock. Oh no, their Patron mm. called them away for a thing. Yep. Uh, you want a multi-class? Okay, here's a Warlock. You just get to stack levels because it doesn't fit with the other type of magical uses. So it's just, you can throw a Warlock in with everything. Um, so I kind of like that in 5th edition versus 3rd. Yeah, sure. um, it is a lot more mechanically forgiving. And Warlocks are so good for narrative side, oh, too. Oh, yeah, just story oh, all over the place. Because, because patrons have a built-in narrative arc. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and you may choose not to pursue it. I think that you are doing your entire group, your entire game group a disservice to not pursue a warlock's relationship with their patron, mm-hmm. but you you don't have to. It's it's as much or as little interaction as you want. But having that built-in narrative hook, that built-in driving force, that built-in you are going to do what I tell you to do now, or I'm mm-hmm. going to take mm-hmm. your magic away. Right. You know, that that sort of almost antagonistic element mm-hmm. right you know you 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 have to decide whether or not you're actually going to do what they want you to do and if you don't there's consequences yeah i like that a lot and that's uh kind of i mean you get that and that's as close as we get now to like in second edition third edition and probably in first edition and i actually played first edition where you had your alignment, especially for your cleric. So if your alignment mm-hmm. shifted and suddenly you didn't get your spells anymore because you pissed off your, your deity or whatever, you know. Um, and so that was a harsh thing that clerics really had to watch was their alignment. And alignment is not followed near as closely in 5th edition as it used to be, which is a, a good thing by and large. There are some aspects I miss, but I do like how they're a lot more forgiving now. For sure, yeah. I, I think uh, you know having a warlock patron, uh, like you were saying, James, kind of replaces that, right? Because if you you have this very powerful entity who is providing you with this magic, uh, and they sometimes are going to call on you for some favors or for some specific tasks to go and complete, and how are you going to go about, um, you know? responding to that call to action right is it you're going to do exactly what they tell you or you're going to maybe do exactly what they tell you to the letter of the law and find some ways to kind of bend the rules around that right like there are a lot of ways to to play with that dynamic i also kind of really all about malicious compliance oh yeah for (laughs) sure for sure um i also really like the idea of like um like just having a good relationship between the um, the the patron and the warlock. Um, a lot of times it is kind of like slightly antagonistic or maybe there's some, some um, you know, underlying thing that the, uh, the patron is trying to accomplish. That's not really clear, but I just kind of like the idea of like, Oh, this, th- this 
patron, this uh, entity discovered this person who was really down on their luck. And they're like, I'm going to care for you. So here, have have some magic, have some some abilities to do some cool stuff and go out and, and do that. And I'm here to help you out whenever you need it. Right. So there are a lot of really fun ways to 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 take that relationship dynamic. That uh, sounds very much like a celestial patron. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think certain Fey could could be that as well. So, yeah. potentially, I don't know. I think the Fey would have a couple more hooks in there, but that, yeah, yeah, maybe. Oh. It, it depends on the celestials. Aren't nice. They're also good. True. Good. They're, They're not, not nice. nice. <laughs> very important distinction, boys and girls. Yes, lawful good does not mean lawful nice. <laughs> uh, but. I, I also like the 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 thought of the concept of a a warlock who has found the perfect patron for them, where mm. their mm. personalities line up, right. their motives line up. You know, it's that you know, it's that disgusting couple that is <laughs> always in agreement on everything, and they yes. always get along, and they're always all lovey dovey, and it just. You, you're it's you're happy for them. love it. <laughs> you're you're happy for them, but it makes you a little sick at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. good good on you, but please do that somewhere else. Please. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to look at it. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, yeah, it's speaking of other classes that are really really fun and easy to to dip into. I think um, sorcerer provides a little bit of similar story element. You maybe yeah. suddenly realize that you have this um like bloodline magic within you um it manifests in some way that was unexpected um i think that can add some really cool juicy elements especially like maybe a draconic sorcerer is there yeah. right and you're like oh i have bloodlines to this dragon and they're uh, a key player in in the story as well right like dragon you mean every every marvel movie ever the name, so <laughs> well yeah yeah for sure but no that's um, awesome yeah and um, i love i do love that that line with them and I, and I I love I actually love wild magic sorcerers as oh, yeah. as a as yes. a multi class option because yeah. there are so many narrative ways that you can mm -hmm. suddenly become a wild magic sorcerer. Chaos just, for sure. Just the being exposed to a high level spell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you you let's say you die and you're brought back by someone casting true resurrection. Pumping mm -hmm. a ninth level spell into somebody is going to have lasting consequences. Yep. And this is how we get Captain America. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. the Hulk. Either one. Yeah. It could go either way. Uh, yeah. You know, also just like spending enough time in a area of wild magic. Um, yeah. Spending the, time uh, in the Feywild? In the Feywild, yeah. yep. Um, I think if you were going to go in a monk, just enough, you know, inner focus and meditation should be enough to trigger mm. that mm. especially yeah. like i said for a monk where they're cloistered and they're kind of you know recluse and then all of a sudden it's like oh i've got this now great yeah for sure um and you get some good stuff with being a, a sorcerer as well right at, at early right. levels you get uh sorcery points uh which you can use to create more spell slots for yourself or you can burn down your spell slots later on to get sorcery points to do other stuff like there's some some fun dynamics there, especially if you're mixing with another caster level uh, or, you know, a couple other caster levels. Um, Meta magic, the same, you know, at third level, you get the ability to shift around your spells and alter them. Uh, so yeah. things that 
you know, a wizard or a fighter or uh, not sorry, fighter, like a paladin or bard or something wouldn't normally be able to do. Although I guess now there's the feat that lets you get some sorcery points, but that's, that, yeah. that's a side right. <laughs> that, that didn't exist until recently. So we're not talking about it. Um, Storm sorcerer, tempest domain cleric. Mm. Yes. Nice. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Unleash the power of the storm with right. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm oh. just I'm just going to uh channel divinity on this chain lightning. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, or or we're gonna we're gonna twin this lightning bolt and, and channel divinity on it. So I'm gonna get two <laughs> lightning bolts that are max damage. Max damage. Yeah. Oh that's yeah. nasty. Jeez. Nasty, nasty. Bards are good for multi-classing too. Those mm-hmm. tend to be more um RP wise. I mean bards mm-hmm. are definitely mm-hmm. super useful now, much more than they were in third edition. And I, I talk about this all the time. There is more than just the tavern tavern entertainer bard. You have mm-hmm, the lore sure. bard, the storyteller bard. Um, mm-hmm. Thom Merlin from uh, the uh, Wheel of Time cycle, you know, would be a classic yeah. bard in that sense, you know. So he plays a crowd up, but he's also kind of a spy and, and a rogue in, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Thieves and ro- uh, ro- uh, rogues and bards tend to run pretty close together. Not a bad mix. Uh, not at all so i yeah. mean there's definitely a lot you can do with bard as far as rp wise and story wise and you get a good bit of utility yeah for sure yeah and you brought up another another good class to multi-class into of course is rogue right you take two levels in rogue three levels in rogue you get get sneak attack you get uh cutting action to a- expand the list of things that you can do with your bonus action so some really good mechanical uh options there but Story-wise, you know, maybe you're joining a thieves guild. Maybe you are uh, the, you know, you realize that the party is needing to sneak into places, but not really good at doing so. Right? Right. Um, no one has the ability to pick locks, or um, you know, is going to be the the scout that you guys need as you're out in the uh, the wilderness. Um, so you can choose to take on a couple levels of of rogue to to gain some of those abilities um, but also to like help the party out in that sense as well so there are a lot of really some juicy narrative reasons to take that uh that dip as well right i forget exactly what level is it that the rogues get um it used to be improved improved evasion improved evasion i think evasion is a fifth level is it a fifth level now or sixth where they don't take let's, damage uh, on a let's, let's on a, a reflex save. Yeah, if well, it's a dexterity save. Dex dex save. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's a reflex save. Yeah. The dex <laughs> save. You, you got into that third edition um, mindset, and I really did. Let's see, okay, so un- uncanny dodge is uncanny dodge. Fifth. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, no, so fifth uh, uh, uncanny that's, dodge. That's lets where you, you can have the have damage. Damage, yeah. Yeah. Right. Evasion, you get at seventh eight. level. Seventh level. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the chart right now. So because okay. taking that with um, something that has a bunch of proficiencies with with your saves anyway, like like mm-hmm. a fighter mm-hmm. or a barbarian, mm-hmm. those would be two things to really mix well too. Right. Yeah, um, that together, uh, I'm mentioning that as well. Uh, Monk and Rogue go really well together as well. Oh, yeah. Um, just uh, a nice pairing mechanically. That'd be uh, a good uh, next monkey, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sneak kind attack of a, with a stunning strike. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I, it kind of an interesting, like, you know, narrative choice to take, right? But um, 
it, it would take some some finessing i think to kind of go either way maybe you're the uh you had been a, a thief and uh uh part of a thieves guild but you're tired of taking you know um those kind of less moral routes and you want to kind of turn your life around right so gotcha devote to inner peace and dedication and take on some some monk levels so i mean if you if you wanted to if you wanted to take take it to the uh the stereotypical western media portrayal of ninjas Mm, yeah ninjas would be a monk rogue (laughs) multi-class absolutely yes yeah i mean i think the uh the way of the shadow monk uh shadow monk or or kensei monk yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah for sure which we'll we'll get into some uh, some highlights <laughs> on how the those two combine together here in just a little bit. Um, yeah, I think also just to call out a couple other things, fighter uh, is really easy to take a, a dip into. Always worth a three level dip into fighter. Um, getting uh, action surge, second wind, um, Im- improved critical. If you take the champion route, I I um, I did that once as a barbarian character. I was. You know, we were we ended up going all the way to the 20th level, so I missed out on the the capstone of Barbarian, which is really nice. But I had a uh, a three level dip into Fighter, uh, so I got Champion. I had improved Critical, and uh, what is it, Brutal Critical that you get from Barbarian as well? So yeah, double yeah. my chance to crit and do like a lot of extra damage when when you crit as well right uh with a great sword and rolling like 66 with a great sword attack on a crit so i'm just gonna roll a whole brick of dice (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah no that's how we killed the tarasque so you know uh those what you get for the that first level of each of the fighter archetypes are uh, are generally really nice yeah absolutely yeah that those three levels while it can be harder especially higher up if you take them later rather than earlier Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit more difficult to get to, but still definitely worth having. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah the, the samurai is also a really good one. If you're mm-hmm. just doing a three level dip because their, uh, their ability allows you as a bonus action to give yourself advantage on your next attack mm-hmm. and give you temporary hit points on top of that. So many yeah. times a day. Yeah. And it's just producing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a really great sort of ability. You know, just three times a day, I can give myself fifteen temporary hit points and give myself mm-hmm. advantage on this next attack. So. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which would go really well with uh, a rogue to give yourself advantage, give yourself sneak attack, right? Like, oh yeah. That's you're a, not that's hiding. Nice I don't care. I have advantage. Right <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean sneak attack? You're standing right in front of me. I have advantage. Poke. <laughs> Yep, I've decided that I have advantage. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. So some some really great uh, great options there. Um, again, I think fifth edition has done a really great job of making those first three levels of most of the classes well worth dipping into it to make a nice hy- hybrid. Yeah, and they've they've made it so much easier to multi class mm-hmm. than it has been yeah. in the past. Oh yeah. I mean, if you look at third edition. Oh. I love third edition. Third edition yes. was my introduction to D and D. I love the number crunchy, trying to optimize my numbers sort of game style that you get out of third edition. Trying to multi-class in third edition was a nightmare. It, it really yeah, was. Absolutely. It was difficult. Absolutely. Because you had to, you had to figure out 
you know, what is your race's favored class? And, you know, am I going to play off? Am I going to play with that as part of this? If, if I am, then my levels in that class don't count. Uh, don't, you know, don't penalize my multi-classing, but if I'm not, they do. Mm. And, and you have to keep them, we have to keep the classes within so many levels of one another, or otherwise you start taking penalties and it's just, it's a nightmare. Yeah. It was really, it was really clunky. If you want to experience that without, you know, going through and purchasing, if you play the uh, original Neverwinter's Nights, that was actually okay. designed yeah. and built around third edition. And so mm. most of that follows right, right in line and you nice. can go through it and it's a cheap game and it's a fun way to play solo or however you need to do it's on steam or a bunch of other places but i got mine on steam forever ago but again yeah i will i will definitely plug neverwinter nights because that was one of the games that actually got me into tabletop gaming so nice yeah and and speaking of it getting easier over generations i mean multi-classing and advanced uh ad and d second edition um was also a nightmare right you or you had the option oh, yeah. for dual classing which was oh i'm just done with this class now Oh, no, sorry. Dual classing, you're like gaining levels one after the other, right? But yeah. multi-classing, you're you're deciding that you're just done with like fighter levels. I'm not going to gain any more of those until I get all the way up into you know wizard or whatever the right. or whatever other class you're taking. So it was, uh, yeah, it's been getting progressively easier and easier to multi-class, which is great. <laughs> and I think fifth edition has made uh, pretty much just an open door. It's just like, well, you just have to have. Uh, this stat in both of the classes to be able to you know multi-class from one into the other right they right. just need it's a 13 ability score in you know usually one attribute per class that you're you're dipping into yeah which uh, is slightly above average right yes it's gotta be a little good not not super good just a little good just kind of <laughs> good just kind of good. And it makes sense, too, because a lot of these things at 13 is, especially if you're going to be a spellcaster, and that's where your magic's coming from. So you need at least that one mm-hmm. for your, you know, your daily uses or whatever your your spellcasting um, ability type is. So it would make sense if you had a 10 or an 11, you have a zero. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I've got all these class abilities, but I can't use them. Can't so me- them, mechanically, yeah. that does make sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've talked about some ways, like some classes that are easy to dip into. I think there's also uh, room for, you know, talking about some really common like power builds that you see uh, talked about. I think, you know, we mentioned Warlock just being a really easy class to dip into. It fuels a lot of multi-class options really well as well. I mean, like the Warlock Paladin, you get those... Um, those spell slots back on a short rest. So more smites per day that you get to get. Right. Right, Um, And you know, they, they're always at the highest level that you can cast. So that's like an extra second level, extra third level, you know, so forth. uh, And if, and if you take, and if you multi-class from a full caster into warlock, you get to use whatever other spells, you know, Mm. using your warlock slots yep mm-hmm. right so you know if you were an 18th level mm-hmm. wizard you know second level warlock you could use your warlock spell slots to cast your big spells off of the wizard side right so it gives you it gives you a little extra push which i think that might be a little broken uh they probably need to 
to work that out somehow. But it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, Warlocks Let the players little, break the game. Warlocks are a little imba, but they're fun to play. And again, <laughs> the whole Warlock Paladin thing can go. You can go nuts with that story wise if you mm-hmm. want. There's mm-hmm. just almost everything you can do with the warlock just okay now you can write books for for days if you want to if you want to get, delve into story so yeah absolutely um yeah and another uh really solid mix is the fighter barbarian right we talked about fighter just being really good to dip into but if you have a lot of barbarian levels you're or, or even just like dipping into barbarian from fighter right you get some some good things from from that as well they, it's a really nice synergy between those two martial classes yeah. Um, I had, uh, again, just kind of going back to my, my character I was chatting about earlier with, uh, it was, he was a dragonborn barbarian and decided to dip into that, uh, that fighter to get some of those early level abilities, get action surge, get improved critical. Um, but it also allowed me to just be a little bit more martially adept as a barbarian as well. Gotcha. Um, and, and the party, like pretty tank, pretty DPS pretty much. So yeah. How about for you guys? Any any um, standard like go to multi class builds or things that you really love hearing about or seeing? My personal favorite combination that I have ever seen has to be Gloomstalker Ranger Assassin Rogue. Hmm. Oh, because that that the extra damage that you get off of the first attack every round with the Gloomstalker and combine that with the assassinate ability that you get at third level from the assassin rogue you can churn out some truly staggering volume of damage um especially if you then combine it with an ability uh with a spell like zephyr strike mm-hmm. uh, from Zan- from xanthar's so you know i i get plus 30 feet to my movement speed i get uh my movement doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity. I can cast this as a bonus action and the first attack that I make with it deals an extra 1d10 force damage. That's just, yeah. So you That's... you get that 1d10 force damage plus your weapon damage plus your sneak attack. Yeah, no, that and, is and, a... and if you're an assassin and going first and you you hit you get a, that, you get advantage you automatic critical as well. Uh, if, if you're hidden, if, if it, you're it, hidden, right? Yeah, you yeah. have. It has to be a surprise attack, but yes, right. So you can auto crit on that, <laughs> so which that's means 2D that 10. all those dice are. Yeah. <laughs> that's two d10 plus however many d6s you have mm-hmm. for your uh, for your weapon doubled, uh, for your sneak attack doubled, plus your weapon damage doubled. You know, plus you're probably going to have a high dex, so you're going right. to get a big static bonus on top of that you know doing that with uh like a longbow kind of mm. class mm. it it just you can churn out the damage but i wanted to roll dice too <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a very uh it was one of those very decisive opening attack yeah classes yeah. Mm-hmm. you know you your your dps drops off really quickly Mm-hmm. But you can usually, I mean, if you're fighting goons, you can usually drop a goon in one round. Yeah. Oh, if you're fighting sure. more, then you're probably going to take, you know, use that rogue. You're going to take your action and 
go and hide for an action, then come back in and re-sneak attack and oh, get no, all you, of that. You get to bonus action that because you've got oh, yeah, cutting action right. as a rogue. Right. So yeah. yeah, so you hide and then you just go and, and reset and it's like the worst whack-a-mole pop ever. Out, pop back in. <laughs> yeah. Longbow attack. fighting me. Drop away. <laughs> Take five levels of rangers so you get the extra attack. Is it fifth level that they get extra attack? Yes. Well, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. Yes. So get that the extra only... attack, two longbow and then hide again as a bonus action. Like <laughs> the the only class that I think gets it at somewhere other than fifth level is Valor Bards. Hmm. Because it's a also, class feature. Yeah. So they get um, it at six, an, an archetype feature, so they get it at sixth level. Yeah, uh Blade Singer Wizards actually as okay. well get at, yeah. at sixth level, which we'll we'll talk about later maybe. Okay. Um yeah, so uh yeah, I mean a lot a lot of really fun uh builds that that you can theorize about james did you have anything that you wanted to uh to chat about and yeah i was gonna say one that i've i've been trying to work and tinker out in my mind for a while um and i kind of got this one from inspiration from fma fma um but a barbarian sorcerer cross class mm. so the barbarian and i would have them basically their spells be either affect self or all touch attacks mm. so they're there they're in melee and they just have that innate whatever to kind of just go something like shocking grasp um, flame hands, things like that, I think can mm. really, really do some massive damage, especially, you know, do that and then rage. Or if they picked up the feet, I think it's battle, battle magic, battle casting, where you can cast certain spells even while raging. I know that's a feat for uh, one of the wizard schools, I, I believe. Uh, the war, I forget which one, one of the schools actually has that as mm. a one of their capstones. But I think those two things together could have a lot of potential just to be really, really interesting and definitely something that not everybody would see every day. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting if you went uh, Divine Soul Sorcerer on that. Because oh, the, yeah. then you then you open up the whole Cleric spell list and then you get Inflict Wounds. Oh, mm. that would be vicious. That would be yeah, absolutely inflict some wounds with my fists. So. Yes, <laughs> it's a touch attack. Why? Yeah, I just reach out and touch him with my fists. <laughs> I mean, I think barbarians are already pretty good at casting inflict wounds, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I cast rock. Yeah, <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, yeah, I also just wanted to make a, a quick shout out to uh, Tulak the Barbarian, a really great YouTuber who makes um, builds of uh, pop culture characters, so comic books, movies, stuff like that. Uh, in a recent episode where he made the Black Manta build, uh, did a really awesome combo with rogue artificer uh and pointed out something that i hadn't realized either and i was kind of geeking out just thinking about this but the uh the artificer armorer the uh the lightning launcher that they get as part of that archetype feature is uh that's a ranged weapon attack it's that does lightning damage so if you take some rogue levels with that getting lightning damage plus sneak attack uh, and with the armorer, you make armor that doesn't give you disadvantage uh, on stealth. It make you know heavy armor, so you're Ooh. in full plate mail, not getting disadvantage from uh, from that for stealthing, and able to make a lightning attack 
with like 300 feet of range or something like oh that. Oh my god. That's that insane. also gets sneak attack. <laughs> Take some assassin levels with that and yeah. you're yeah, you're evaporating people in first level. Hey, look, the big bad guys in the next county over. <laughs> Zap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um again, another really interesting thing we came up uh that with our episode that we just had mm-hmm. um where we talked about, you know, possibly doing the moon night with the uh you know, kind of tweaking that gestalt character a little bit. So where you had to figure out which archetype you were playing with at any given point, mm. I think could be a, a fun mechanical thing to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. So listeners go, go check out uh, UTC's episode from, uh, from this week as well to get more information on, on the gestalt character and the kind of chaos that, uh, that that is. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we had a blast it was it was a lot of fun was we, went, we went down all the rabbit trails it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah for sure uh and and speaking of uh having a lot of fun with some some chaos builds i know we each uh kind of whipped up a, a 10th level multi-class character as well so i'd like to take a minute to kind of you know shoot the breeze about what wacky stuff uh we we came up with Okay. Um, so Ian, I know you're you're chomping at the bit to talk about the uh, <laughs> the Gloomstalker assassin. So I'm I'm going to let you go first and tell us a little bit about what you uh, what you came up with here. I, I'm yeah, just so... giving him props because he he's found a good use for the the ranger class. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the Gloomstalker mm-hmm. is the good uh-huh. ranger. I'm, I'm just going to come out here and say it: the Gloomstalker is the good ranger. But Fair. but so um so yes I. I did base this off of a Gloomstalker assassin multi-class, but I added some stuff to it because I had 10 levels to work with. And so I decided to get as crazy as I could. So we have three levels of Gloomstalker Ranger. We have three levels of Assassin Rogue. We have three levels of Way of Shadows Monk. Ooh. And we have one level of Twilight Domain Cleric. So he just threw the whole he threw everything in there um, <laughs> because because the the entire purpose of this class is making sure you go first so that you can hit as hard as possible. So for starters, okay. I, I took the Heron gone as my race so I can add my proficiency bonus to my initiative. OK, whenever I get my one level of cleric, I can give myself advantage on my initiative rolls and i also get 300 feet of dark vision um whenever i take a gloomstalker ranger i am invisible to other creatures who are trying to see me using dark vision whenever i'm in darkness i get dread ambusher which means i get an extra attack on my first round of combat that deals an extra 1d8 weapon damage if it hits Oh, now, would your sneak attack apply to that as well? Um, it would apply to the first attack. Okay. Well, but if it my first to attack, the first one that hits, yeah. Yeah, so, but if yeah. my first attack misses, I still got another one. <laughs> yeah. But but whenever you get into your rogue by taking the assassin, the assassinate ability, if I'm attacking before they get their first round, my attack is done at advantage, and if I'm hidden. I auto crit for surprise attack on that attack. Right. And then on, on, add on top of that, you know, the, the shadow monk for unarmored defense and unarmored movement. 
So mm. I'm I'm getting to add my wisdom modifier to my uh, AC. I get an extra 15 feet of movement speed. Actually, I think it's still 10 feet of movement speed at third level. Um, I get deflect missiles. So yeah. so if somebody's shooting at me, I can I can catch it and shoot it back. Nice. Do you get uh, shadow step right away at uh, third uh, that's level? That's six that? level. Oh, okay, okay. That's gotcha. six level for me. So that'd be later on. But okay, yeah, but yeah. So that's all all of that stuff. Um, and and nice. if I had if I were to carry this out, I'm I'm still trying to decide whether it would be better to take a total of six levels in monk to get that shadow step, hmm. or a or five levels in monk and. Uh, a total of 11 levels in rogue hmm. to get uh, reliable talent so that I can't roll less than a 10 on an, on a skill check. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a good skill to have. So, so if I were to have that, I'm going to throw expertise into stealth. Mm-hmm. So I would, by that point, you know, as a 20th level character, I would be getting plus 12 from, from that for getting double base, <laughs> uh, double proficiency right. bonus. Plus plus five for my dex mod, so mm. I'm automatically getting plus seventeen. Yeah, which means that the lowest I could roll on a stealth check is a twenty-seven. Yeah, dang. Okay, we're not seeing them ever. <laughs> yeah, no, they just are invisible constantly. So. I think yeah. what uh, you know, the great worms passes passive perception. I think those are running what thirty. 27, 32, it, somewhere in there. It de- it depends on whether they're chromatic or yeah. metallic. Mm-hmm. Chromatic is mean, like thirty one. It's insane. Yeah, but I mean, with a with a minimum of twenty seven, you're you're running pretty close to being invisible to just about everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless it has uh, blind sense or tremor sense, which a lot of the they have true sight. So, so. Oh, true sight, well, yeah. But I mean, true sight doesn't see through cover, right? So if you're so hiding just, behind cover. Yeah, you yeah. still get a chance to. It just means that you can't go invisible. Yeah, and get a, and get the bonus that way. It just means you can't wear bells and and, and you know the little clangy <laughs> finger things. I forgot how they call those things when he's walking up, sneaking up on that dragon. He has, he has to try <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Just, you yeah. have to kind of try. <laughs> Anybody bit. else though? I mean, you'd be like banging a drum. What? <laughs> <laughs> Using the uh, the bagpipes sneak, of invisibility. Sneak, sneak past the yeah. door. <laughs> oh, excellent awesome well that's yeah a, definitely a, a great uh example of like some some awesome power building uh yeah. to get uh, a, a lot of damage out up front and and having a kind of a goal in mind with making the um the character as well right i think having that concept of why you want to multi-class is, is super important for making those choices so yeah uh yeah awesome job displaying that uh James, what you got? Yeah, so I haven't named my character because, again, as as I said, I am terrible at naming things. So, mm. yeah. but I, it, it's funny. Ian and I will take the same thing, and very often we we hit the same same area, but from different angles. So mine was more of a RP kind of a build, but I went okay. with a uh, a paladin druid multi class. I was going with the uh, circle of the spores druid just because I think that's absolutely fascinating. It's one of the newer circles out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided overall going with an Oathbreaker Paladin because I think it fits. 
So I've got four levels of Oathbreaker Paladin, which, you know, gives me smite. It gives me uh, lay on hands. It gives me some of the divine protections, but then the channel divinity actually lets me raise the dead. So it's a little bit of necromantic magic, which blends really well with the circle of spores, which also feeds kind of into that necromantic mm-hmm. magic as well. Um, and going through uh, my race is, uh, again, a newer thing. It's from the Ravinica book, but it's the uh, Simeon, what is it? Simeon hybrid? Simic hybrid, yeah. Simic hybrid, yeah. So I was kind of going with that whole whole, you know, multi-classing thing, kind of get a, a island of Dr. Monroe feel to, to everything. Mm-hmm. So basically it's this paladin that that broke its oath and tried to just kind of go off and live as a hermit. And being a longer-lived species, he's kind of sitting there and has has kind of embraced the decay of nature around him. And so, you know, it kind of picks up those, those things as well. So it's that whole... Um, the the mushroom meme you can't kill me in a way that really matters that whole you know there's decay but there's beauty in that and there's a balance between life and death still so again going less for a lot of the mechanics and more for story in this case and then you get to use your druid spell slots for smites yes which i mean you can also i'm just going to create me out my own undead i kill you i raise you there (laughs) we have balance (laughs) yep (laughs) And now I can control you as well if you yes. go off and do your own thing. I've so dance my puppets. Divinity. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love the uh, the Doctor Monroe uh, or Island of Doctor Mur- uh, Moreau uh, vibes there. That's that's great. Um, a little bit more necromancy than like you know uh, changing people into the beasts, but like uh, right. yeah, still very. It, it's got the vibe for sure. Yeah. Um, I, when you said, when you made it a Simic hybrid, I was almost thinking like, it's like, uh, like a creation of Dr. Frankenstein, right? Yeah. It's going yeah. out there and doing this. Dr. Stuff. Frankenstein would definitely be up there as well. Yeah. Kind of just putting stuff together and seeing, well, did it work? It worked. Yeah, so great. Now what I'm going to do like, oh, how does this oh, wait, it's ugly. Yeah. Now I'm responsible for it. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the term Frankensteining is often used for like multi-classing as well, right? Yes, like I'm just going right. to slap these things together and <laughs> see if they work. Um, so yeah, it fits. Cool. So I, I'm uh, pretty, pretty excited about the, uh, the character that I, I came up with as well. I, I decided to name him <laughs> crunch. Um, I'm also bad at naming things. I literally <laughs> go to like, uh, I went to thesaurus.com and was like, what's a better way to say chew <laughs> or bite? And I'm like, crunch, crunch is, is good for this guy. I'm just so glad you didn't a... go with masticate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a little too complicated for this character, <laughs> a little too sophisticated, we'll say. Um, because crunch is a lizard folk, uh, barbarian druid fighter. So the uh, the kind of the story concept that I came up with is that he's like sort of a, a shaman, um, and I went circle of the moon so I can get higher level creatures to turn into. So he's channeling his his ancestors by turning into dinosaurs, basically. He's channeling um, his Godzilla. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, the guys you know, over action. So the guys over at Goblin's Corner would approve. I, I do believe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Dinosaurs um, and Godzilla. For sure. So, uh, yeah, I went six levels of Druid, one level Barbarian, and a three-level Fighter Dip. Um, I, I do have to ask. I'm sorry, yeah. but is he part of the Blue Oyster Cult? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, could, yeah. could be. 
Um, Got a reference song. Have to do it. Sorry. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, he, uh, as I was saying, he's six levels of druid. I went with uh, moon druid for um, to be able to, you know, get better wild shapes. Um, so he can actually turn into dinosaurs at six level. He can do um, either the allosaurus or the ankylosaurus, which are both really great in their own right. Allosaurus is good for like charging in, dealing damage. Ankylosaur is the tank that has got a club for its tail, right? Yeah, I love the Ankylosaurus. Um, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but alongside that, he's got the Barbarian Rage within him as well. So once he's uh, wild-shaped, gets into combat, second turn, Rages, doing extra damage with all of those attacks. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, and then he's got some, some fighter levels to be able to um I, I gave him um the battlemaster archetype so he's got the uh the maneuvers as well so he can smack people get him out of the way you know trip tripping attack with the uh the club tail um he's got parry or not sorry not parry but uh riposte as well so if he does get hit he can attack back nice. and since he's a, a lizard folk he gets a bonus action bite attack as well that can get some some temporary hit points coming back his way as well so um, but since he's like a, a barbarian, if he's raging, can't like use those spell slots, right? But if you're in wild shape, you can't cast anyway. So just burn those spell slots down to heal yourself back up. So, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I, it, it is an unkillable tank, I think, is kind of the idea <laughs> uh, that can control the battlefield in, in many ways. I just want to the, see. I, I just want to see the Ankylosaurus mini on the table. I mean, I, I would be stoked <laughs> about that. Absolutely. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go still like the and, little kids dinosaurs. Wait, I need these. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that, well, well, I mean, then, that's kind of how Gary Gygax came up with a lot of the monsters anyway, right? It's just like going yeah. and buying small little toys and like, oh, what the hell is this thing? It's an owlbear now. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now with the Ankylosaurus, uh, I mean, do you, is there a difference? I don't know. Is there actually a write-up for, for the various dinosaurs? If there is, yeah. I've missed them. If yeah, they're, they're in... Is there yeah, oh, so okay. they're they're in the monster manual. There are they're a couple under extras. dinosaur. Yeah, strangely mm-hmm. enough, strangely enough, that's where you find them. That's um, awesome. There are a, a couple that got added in um, Volo's guide to monsters as well. Uh, I need to dive back into those then because I definitely yeah, want dinosaurs. I definitely want a dino, do mm-hmm. a whole Jurassic Park type thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Something that I so I, I reference my Eberron game a lot. I'm really looking forward to us getting to the Talenta Plains because. Uh, in the Talenta Plains of Eberron, the uh, halfling tribes folk that are there ride dinosaurs. They have okay. like a uh, sort of symbiotic relationship with the dinosaurs. So, and my my party is going to get there eventually uh, <laughs> um, if they make it out of the Mornland alive. We'll see. But um, that's a big if. Yeah, it is. It is a very big if. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious. Would Ian Malcolm? Uh... Jeff Goldblum's character, would he be more of a bard or a rogue? Hmm. I think he might be a multi-class of the two, right? Yeah. So yeah, that would he's be got, a, he's yeah. got the suaveness, he's got Yeah, uh, he's got the he's got the knowledge and stuff behind it, but yeah. he's he's kind of a little bit shady still. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. No, I like it. <laughs> Note to self, make Ian Malcolm a character <laughs> in Everon game coming up. Okay. Life life finds a way. Life finds a way. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, yeah, a lot of, a lot of really great, uh, very unique builds. I like James that we both picked six levels of Druid, but we came up with very different ways to use them. You're, yes. you're making Funkel zombies and I'm turning into big dinosaurs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so it's, it's a good time. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, now that we're, we're talking about characters that we've made and, and multi-classing with them i I, ha I i really want to get y'all's advice on what i should do with my my current character that i play as in in my monday night games okay um his name is bast he's a blade singer wizard uh story-wise though he and his he and his crew in the party they are uh like a, a gang within the thieves guild okay. uh, and his kind of goal is ultimately to become um like the head of the thieves guild in the city where where they're at right now so i've been thinking about dipping into rogue more we have a rogue in the party already but could be some some good mechanical benefits i could get there are a lot of other ways i could take this though because he's he was a pretty solid stat wise for multi-classing so i've got uh decks of 16 and a charisma of 15 okay um okay. as well as that you know his intelligence is maxed out right now it's at a 20. Um, so we've got some options for kind of dipping into other classes. I wanted to get y'all's kind of takes on maybe some ways we could uh, mess around with that build. My immediate thought is going into Swashbuckler Rogue. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was thinking the okay. same thing. And yeah. again, you see that, again, kind of reference Neverwinter Nights, but that is one mm -hmm. of the, the bosses in some of the early levels where he's a Thieves Guild leader and he, mm -hmm. he kind of goes in towards Swashbuckling, so... That would okay. fit really well. Yeah, that would that would yeah. start getting into a very uh, Jarlaxle sort of feel. Mm. Get, yeah. Getting getting some of those the swashbuckler rogue because because you're focusing on the charisma side, so you're getting to you'll you'll be able to add your charisma to your initiative. Mm. Um, you'll get bonuses whenever you're facing opponents one on one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, which a, a, as a blade singer i do quite a bit um i really enjoy casting like shadow blade and just 1v1ing people and i with the blade song up and uh good i have decent decks and i have um mage armor as well my base ac is at a 21 and casting shield to turn that into a 26 so like oh yeah 1v1ing yeah. things i i almost never get touched right yeah now. and so and then if if you were if you were to but if you were to go into uh, if you were to go into Bard, mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure what archetype, but uh, actually probably lore, because then you could pick up um, with your was it the your magical secrets or whatever mm -hmm. it's called. Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to remember: is compelled duel a spell or a paladin class feature? I think mm. it's a spell. Yeah. Because if you can if you can compelled duel with this character. Mm -hmm. If if you could just straight up say come at me bro. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. And make sure. him do it. Yeah. I mean that that automatically gives you so much battlefield command. You know, you're 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 just locking down entire, you know, you You've got the big bad. Mm -hmm. Well, he's locked down now, mm -hmm. so the yeah, rest of the party true. can clean up all of his minions while you're while you're taking him out. Yeah, compelled duel is a spell. It is a, yeah, a 
paladin exclusive spell is what I'm seeing. So yes, yeah. but but your uh, your but, arcane but secrets yeah. lets you pick from lets any you, spell list. Spell list, right, yes. Right. Yeah. So if you could do that, and like I said, what I really liked about the swashbuckler is that um, rakish audacity, where you mm. don't need mm. advantage to sneak attack. So you could you could go through, yeah. and if you could compel someone's you know do a compelled duel, and then use that rakish audacity for just a, a straight off sneak attack off the front. Yeah, mm. that could be. Yeah, because because with yeah, Rage Audacity, be... you just have to be one on one, right? Yeah, within That's five feet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they can't yeah, have they... anyone in within five feet of them. So yeah, neither neither you nor your nor your target have one of their allies within five feet. Right, right. So yeah, I mean that <laughs> yeah. automatically okay. just gives you that much extra utility. That wins, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I like that I like too. This. And then the the the. Again, especially if you're going a lore bard, you know, your your master of your thieves guild is going to know the inner workings of everything mm-hmm. around your town, your city. So they are going to be that font of knowledge that, you know, all the information comes into. Mm-hmm. So that would fit thematically with with your character as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what I've le- le- leaned into a lot in the party dynamics is like being, you know, being the the wizard, he's the smart one, but yeah. um, he is the one that kind of knows everything or knows how to get all of the information, right? So yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I, I, forget- I could, you know, take some expertise in like Arcana or um, investigation, maybe yeah. if I take a, a road or insight, yeah. I, I'm probably being, being able to read people. That would be great yeah. for a for a Although prime I, boss. He doesn't currently have proficiency in insight, so maybe he well, could insight do that. insights yeah. on insights is on it, the uh, rogues rogue list. Mm, okay, okay, I think I think it, it is. Yeah. But I'm if probably, you if you were to if you were to pick up bard, you know, bard gets to pick anything from anything. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. So you could pick up insight if you. I now, could dip into what, both classes. So what level? <laughs> what level is your blade singer? He is currently at level eleven. So. Okay, so that that might be that might be you it might not be, be able to do both. Yeah, you might not be, be able to do both tight. because in order to you you might have to no because you need out. three three bard three levels of bard to pick your college. Yeah, correct? and but, three levels of rogue as well. Three so, levels, but, so you need another six. Yeah, but to but to pick up compelled duel with your arcane secrets, you have to hit six level with bard because that's their six level ability oh is that where they get that okay so yeah. that would put him at 17 so three with the last three levels into rogue that would cap out right there yeah i suppose so, so he's got just enough i was gonna say this is probably i'm probably pronouncing the name wrong because it's been forever but kind of a pop culture reference it's uh what uh jalen hakar the the uh areas trainer in uh jake and hakar jake and hakar yeah you know kind of had that you know again kind of Thieves Guild assassin kind of knew everything that was going on in the books. You know, they kind of cut it out in the books, but as she's training, I mean, she goes out and for her to come back in and learn anything more, she had to give him five pieces of new information that he didn't know. So she was always out trying to, to glean mm. and talk to people and learn different things to bring him more intel. Cause that's what his whole thing was, which I've heard Elden Ring is great. George R. R. Martin, finish your damn books finish the books <laughs> yeah so i was i was thinking that rakish audacity was the ninth level ability that's panache so yeah mm. you do get rakish audacity as a third level a third level swashbuckler okay, right, yeah. so mm. yeah i would i would say take three levels of rogue to get rakish audacity and then uh full bard. Six, 
full bard. Or you could just say, okay. you know, I, or you could just decide that you get enough, uh, enough opportunity to go ahead and one v one, and then just go ahead and take nine levels of bard. Hmm. Get get panache, and then you get nine levels worth of sneak attack damage. That's oh, rogue, you mean of rogue? Yeah, you yeah. said bard, yeah. but yeah. But did I say bard? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I meant swashbuckler. I meant to say yeah, swashbuckler, right. but yes. You know what I mean? Of, say. Nine <laughs> yeah, levels of sneak attack sure. is nothing to sneeze at. Not at all. Not at all. That's five d six. That's let's see. I got the is chart it, right here. Yeah, it's it five. It's five d six for sure. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, that's a lot to lot to consider here for sure. Of course, Please. that that does mean that I lo- lose out on the next nine levels of learning spells as a wizard, right? So right. there's there's that trade off as well. So I mean, I, again, but if you're going to be a thieves guild, are you are you slinging spells or are you? Yeah, that's I uh, guess that's true. I have a, a a a lot of like I've got some some decent spell utility already um, at eleventh level. I kind of want a little bit more just to get like teleport, <laughs> um, but beyond yeah. that, uh, I think I could could kind of do do whatever, um, which yeah. I guess would be only be two more levels for me. So gotcha. I could yeah I could make that work. So yeah, I would do that, and then again, depending if you want if you want the uh, the two levels, then you'd have to depend if you wanted the the rakish audacity or you wanted the uh, panache, the panache, yeah, the panache mm. or the if you want um, panache or if you want to teleport, yeah. <laughs> you take yeah. the flash and also panache. You take a passion for the arts. Yeah, it's something to uh, to consider. Um, on a somewhat related note, I know uh, Ian, you had talked about your your character Shang, yeah, um, and wanted to talk uh, about some some options with him. So tell us a little about uh, about Shang. Okay, so Shang is a kobold monk, and uh, he is my playtest character for one of the homebrew monastic traditions that we came up with on the show and and put out on our Patreon. It, it is free. Uh, Patreon.com slash taste. Go take a look at it. It's the Way of the Swallow. And it focuses on throne weapons. Um, specializing in the light throne weapon. So daggers, darts, hand axes, and light hammers. Hmm. And he he's he's focusing into darts and you get, you know, you get additional damage and you get uh, eventually you get a basically a a flurry of blows with your thrown weapons and and just other other things that really because goodies. because fifth edition <laughs> yeah. doesn't doesn't have anything that really focuses in on thrown weapons thrown weapons kind of got left behind as sort of an afterthought and yeah it really did it's unfortunate in fifth edition. It used to be so, the halflings would specialize in thrown weapons and now they're just like meh <laughs> well, they they get they got uh, a racial proficiency with darts. Yeah, yeah, true. In third edition, so, uh, but but uh, yeah, so I so I built this uh, archetype off of this concept, and I'm I'm going through and I'm I'm looking at the monk trajectory, and I look at the twentieth level monk ability, and I'm like, this is rubbish. I mean, it's it's it is a it is a pure RP ability. Yeah, which I'm all for RP. 
that shouldn't be your capstone ability capstone for your class. Right. Level. Yeah, no. I don't um, think anybody's that, expected I mean, to actually do a full 20 levels of Monk, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's also true. But I, I think, you know, it just doesn't stack up to the other, some of the other 20th level right. capstones, right? Like, yeah, look at look at your wizard fighter, barbarian fighter wizard. Yeah. yeah like there's some really really powerful stuff druids 20th level is probably the most broken thing ever yeah. casting your spells in wild shape like it, you're done like, wild shaping as many yeah. times a day as you want i just like oh yeah exactly yeah wild shape it will cast spells while wild shaped it's it's great yeah but but i really wanted to at least hit 17th level because 17th level is where you hit your archetype capstones mm-hmm. as a monk. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm looking, I'm like, what can I get for three levels? And then Tasha's drops with the uh the throne weapon fighting style. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this seals it. I'm going fighter. <laughs> yeah. So so at sure. first level, at first level I get uh, second wind, Always and nice. I get and I get a fighting style. So I get to mm-hmm. pick my thrown weapon fighting style to get plus two damage on all of my thrown weapon attacks. Second level, I get action surge. Third level, I get to pick an archetype, and naturally, I'm going to go into champion to get that expanded critical, that improved critical. It's always yeah. worth picking up. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so here, I, here I am. Double I am just a crit. Yes, please. Yeah. I have a, I have a 10% <laughs> chance to crit with all of these darts that I'm slinging around. I'm able to throw them to the full range increment without penalty. Hmm. Uh, partly because of a feature within the archetype as we wrote it. And partly because he's taking sharpshooter. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's focused into darts Darts are the only thrown weapon that are classified as a ranged weapon. So mm. they get all of the bonuses of the sharpshooter feat. So he gets the full range increment. He gets uh, to ignore half and three quarter cover. He gets to take the minus five to hit to get plus 10 to damage. And it's, yeah. he he's, he's going to start porcupining some people. Right. <laughs> how many, and at, at, max, at how 17th many... level, what's your, sorry, go, James, yeah, go ahead. Say, I'll yeah, answer my I, own question. At seventeenth level, how many darts can you put out per round? Um, I can put out. See here, it would be two, two. I would be able to put out six if I action surge and use okay. the uh, basically the. I think I think we called it fan of knives. Yeah, it's it's uh, basically flurry of blows with thrown weapons. Right, and then you add yeah, your and... your capstone for your your archetype that we made with the. Uh... Yeah, where I'm, where as long as I have key points, I get to uh, create plus two magical force weapons of my thrown weapon type. Right. So they're they're going to automatically be d10 plus two, then get plus five for mm-hmm. dex bonus. Uh, if I sharpshooter, they get another plus ten. So they're they're automatically going to deal a minimum of nineteen points of damage each. <laughs> each 19 points of force damage each, each. <laughs> so you got six of those with, so yeah, with, a, with a 10% chance to crit time. yeah <laughs> and and like I, I I can't think of anything that resists force damage specifically like it uh, seems to be the one that no creatures um, there's, there's one one of the gem dragons is immune to force oh, I, okay, yeah. gotcha. I think it's crystal so, dra- no not yeah. crystal amethyst amethyst, amethyst dragons yeah, are immune gotcha, to force gotcha. and that I mean they're brand brand new 
Right, yeah. So a, a creature that didn't even exist in 5th edition until very recently right. um, <laughs> is the only yeah. one that is not going to take that force damage, right? So it's uh, always, so I'm, always I'm able damage. So awesome. if, if I hit no crits, if I hit with all six the, and I sharpshooter all of them, that would be... See here, what is it? 114 force damage in a round? Yeah. yeah from so 30 feet away? 19, right. and you can do six darts. Yeah. So, yeah, minimum of, of 114, right? But if minimum, you're... Yeah, minimum yeah. 114. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of damage. That's saying if Terry <laughs> gets a hold of you, you're still a little on the squishy side. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, so I mean, I mean there, I, there is still a balance to it. So it, it's is. not a broken yeah. character. We 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 talked about this for a little bit to make sure it wasn't wasn't going to be too broken. He's he's not yes. so great at intelligence saving throws. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so psychic damage will will eat him up. Oh yeah. Psychic damage to a monk. What? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think fighter is a really great uh, great choice there. Um, you yeah, you get so much dip with... into rogue as well to get a couple extra, you know, sneak attack uh, options there. And yeah, I uh, mean, yeah. for quick dips, those three you get, like I said, you get all of those archetypes for any of the three fighters are great. Mm-hmm. Rogue, you get sneak attack with one or two levels. It's really good. Uh, the paladins lay on hand and smite is a great thing to grab. Um, I mean, those are all just, and obviously, you know, Eldritch Blast and the spells for Warlock. Those would be my my first go tos if I was looking to multi class. Yeah, a a war cleric that takes a two level dip into Paladin. Ooh. Mm. So yeah. a Paladin two war cleric eighteen. Hmm. Yeah. And you get all that big chunk of spell slots that you can. Either you cast it. your very yeah. powerful cleric spells with, <laughs> yes, or smite, or you can or smite. Yeah, uh, you don't you don't get any benefit using a spell slot bigger than fifth level because it caps out at five d eight. Yeah, true. But it's still, but still, you, got, you get you, got, you, got you know some fifth level spell slots that you can. Smite but right and then so. and at, as an eighteenth level cleric, you're gonna have you know four first level, three second level, three third level, mm-hmm. three fourth level, three fifth level. Spell slots. That's a whole lot of smiting. That's a whole <laughs> lot of smite. That's, that's sixteen more, smites yeah. a day. That's more smites than the than the paladin was built to have. Ever. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it'll be but, great. Uh, yeah, a lot of love for clerics on uh, on this the this episode today for oh, sure. Yeah. I know we've talked about that. We've played in a game of all clerics together. So that that was yes. a fun game. I'm I'm yeah, looking forward for to sure. if we we bring those back because that was a lot of fun. Absolutely. I still need um, Eric to tell me what ha- what stats I can get out of a tower shield that I make out of an ancient blue dragon scapula. <laughs> because I'm doing that. Yeah, oh, I, yeah I, I specifically sure. said that I harvested that. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would think maybe a little bit of lightning resist. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know it's funny how much we we all talk about clerics and we haven't really talked about multiclassing with them at all. But I think that's just because the the full package of a cleric is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like you, is, don't you don't need to multiclass with a cleric. You don't need to multiclass a cleric. I mean, you could I mean, if you wanted to, but yeah, yeah. And cleric sorcerer would be great. And there and there are some of those some of the clerics 
uh, like the war domain or the forge domain, or I think the knowledge domain were part of their first level packages proficiency with heavy armor. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is a great way to get a sorcerer or a wizard Mm. in heavy armor, Armor. which is just broken to to just, to just (laughs) ratchet up that AC. Yeah. I, again, I I am from the school that uh, you know if you're wearing heavy armor, your spells should have a chance to fizzle. You know that that's an old second and third edition thing that always hung with me, mm-hmm. which makes sense because yeah. you gotta do the wavy arm thing, and if it's you're wearing too much stuff, you can't you can't do that. No, but I think a sorcerer throwing some meta magic on some of those sorcerer spells would be just yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Some of those sorcerer points as well. Yeah. That's that. I mean, that's the reason why when I play sorcerers, I pretty much go divine souls so that I can get meta magic on cleric spells. Yeah, yeah. The twin spell guiding bolt. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you and you dead. <laughs> yes. And twin, or, and twin if you're not spell dead, heal. You are a highlighted. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, we're we're in a we're in a touch of trouble. So I'm going to twin spell heal, and I'm going to bring you and you back up to pretty solid fight and shape yeah yeah 70 hit points at least so um yeah so i mean we we've touched on a, on a lot today about multi-classing I, i'd like to you know before we we wrap things up uh, ask you guys if there are any any parting words of wisdom for uh my listeners here our listeners here uh things that we haven't touched on or maybe kind of summarizing what we've we've talked about today um, really, if you want to multi-class, sit down. Uh, there's there's character generators all over the place, or just grab it and just toy with it. I mean, really, go mm-hmm. ahead and work those mechanics. Uh, experiment hands-on. If you find something you like, like we said earlier, always talk with your DM. Possibly talk with the other players at the table, so that know what's going on. But there is so much to do with multi-classing. We can't possibly cover it all here. And everyone's going to find something different. Something's going to sing to some different to everybody so yeah just sit down and tinker with it because there is a lot to discover and and don't don't lock yourself into trying to find the mechanically optimal multi-class right Mm -hmm. we've been talking a lot about mechanics today and mechanics are a very prominent reason why a lot of people multi-class if you have a narrative if you have a narrative reason to multi-class do it. Do it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You, know, you don't don't tie yourself down to a to a you know don't tie yourself down to mono classing just because <laughs> it's not optimal. Right. I think a good mm-hmm. character at the table is going to be far more memorable than a strong character, unless that character is broken. And if the character is too broken, it ruins the game for everyone. So, like I said, a memorable character, so a character that, that develops a life of its own, that's what people remember when they think about their favorite games generally. Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the fun concepts that I had come up with for, for a 20th level multi-class character is combining Lore Bard, Knowledge Domain Cleric, and Divination Wizard. And I was just mm. calling it the know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you're you're a you're a ninth level, you're, you're a twentieth level full caster, so you have all of those spell slots. I mean, you're you're limited on what spells you can prepare because mm-hmm. you've only got so many levels in each of these classes. But you've got those that great big chunk of spell slots, and the whole the whole point of that character is, you know, because the the this is a character that I have actually created. 
she's got the archaeologist background. She's a researcher. Mm -hmm. And so she's she's picking up all of these different magics to figure out details of, you know, what has happened in the past. You know, she's getting stuff like talk with dead and commune so that she can get in touch with the spirits of these people who inhabited these ruins before. So she can actually ask them questions about what went on. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think definitely the, uh, the narrative pull to multi-class trumps the mechanical pull. Right. And yeah, if you have a narrative reason to multi-class, you can find the mechanical way to make that work in your advantage. It might not be the most optimal, you know, we've talked about doing boatloads of damage and stuff like that in combat, and that might not always happen and that's fine, but you'll be able to, take what you want to do and find a way to make it work and make it fun for the story that you're telling and the game that you're, you're playing. Um, and of course, always chat with your, your, your DM at least, if not the rest of the party as well to say like, Hey, this is kind of where, where I'm planning on, on taking this character. Because multi-classing is technically an optional rule <laughs> in fifth edition. Right. So you have to make sure that your DM is playing by that optional rule <laughs> before you just know, start doing it. Everything's an optional rule. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Like we said uh, in the previous thing, it's it's like you build your own or kind of build a bare tabletop yeah. RPG yeah. system, right? So everything is optional. <laughs> um, but definitely talk to your GM if you're planning on multi-classing, at least, if not the rest of the party. Um. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, once again, guys, thanks for for coming on here today. Um, As we're wrapping up, I'd like you all to take a second to, you know, tell tell my listeners uh, where they can find out about you guys, how to uh, to follow you on the socials and find out about your your podcast and stuff that y'all y'all create. So I'll I'll, I'll shut up and and let you take it away. (laughs) All right. So uh, we're available on most podcatchers, Apple, Google, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, you can find us under common taste. We're on Twitter at UCT homebrew. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube as under common taste. We're on TikTok as under common underscore taste, uh, because I was trying to figure out how TikTok worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash under common taste. That's where we put all of our write-ups. Um, most of our write-ups are free. Anything that we talk about, in the show that we do a write-up for is posted for free. We also post uh, some patron exclusive content. It's usually things like um, revamping old uh, races or old uh, class options for player character options. Um, That is available for everyone of any tier of our patron uh, of our patrons. So uh, for three dollars a month, you can get access to everything. So if you want to, if you want to help support the show financially, come over to Patreon.com/slash/UndercommonTaste and consider becoming a patron, and then you get access to all our full back catalog of stuff. Yeah, I mean that that's most of it. Uh, like I said, you can uh, find us on TikTok. We also do have our Discord, so you know if you want to hop in and talk and discuss some homebrew ideas or maybe some world building type things, you know, toss us a question. We'll be glad to sit there and kind of tinker stuff with you. Kind of like this is what we think. Have you tried this? Have you looked at that? You know, we we like 
kind of tinkering with things a little bit. It's what we both kind of geek out on. So that's always a fun thing. So yeah, hop into our discord, feel free to ask questions and, and we'll help you out as much as we can. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again so much for, for coming on to the show. It's been, uh, been a real blast. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been a lot yeah, of fun. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and it's great to finally get to uh, to collaborate with you guys after, I think, a year and a half or so of chatting about it. So right. glad we can make this work out. Um, yeah, but for all of our all of my listeners, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, if you have found any of what we've said today useful, leave us a comment, rating, review. Uh, reach out to uh, these guys on on Twitter, or you can you can tweet at me. Uh, it, that is uh, at nineteen hits the dragon um, over on Twitter. You can also feel free to send me an email nineteen hits the dragon at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, the best way that you can help the show grow is, of course, to go out and tell nineteen of your closest friends. Um, thanks so much for listening in. Thanks again to my guests. Everyone, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other, and uh, we'll see you all next time when nineteen hits the dragon. Bye bye. Thank you.